All right, guys, uh, welcome to Amateur Radio Roundtable. This show is about ham radio. And if you've heard of ham radio, it's the same thing as amateur radio. People don't know it by both names, but it's all the same. We, uh, we're glad you're with us tonight. And if you're listening out there on International Shortwave on 7140 kilohertz, no, 7490 kilohertz, on WBCQ, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email. And let us know where you are and if you're hearing the show tonight. We'd love to uh, hear from you. Give us a signal report. Also, uh, don't know if we have anyone new. Do we have any new first-time people in the chat room tonight? If you're here with us, uh, let me know. I'd like to see who's in here. Uh, let's see. I just see I see my old friend Papa Doc. Doc just joined. WA4YYM. Uh, he just joined and a few others. Um Send us an email. Let us know. Also, I'd like for you to do this for us. Uh, if you'll hit the subscribe button, we need everyone to hit the subscribe button. It will help us in our uh, ratings within YouTube, and that will help bring more people in. So please hit that subscribe button. If you like the show tonight, please hit the like button. We'd really like you to do that. Um, uh, Katie sent me an email. I don't think Katie's going to be able to make it tonight. Uh, we're supposed to have Rich on from CQ editor of CQ, but uh, uh, I don't know what happened uh, with him. Uh, and let's see. I would imagine, I don't know if Bill Brown is going to be with us tonight or not. Sometimes he's in the chat room, sometimes he's on the video, but we'll, uh, we'll see if Bill joins us. I've got one of Bill's trackers in today, and I wanna, I'll show you guys what, what his new uh, APRS tracker looks like. Got a lot of neat things tonight. Uh, uh, I'm going to talk about some uh, wire antennas, like in-fed wire antennas, and what will work and what won't work. Uh, did you know there are certain lengths of wire that you should not use? And we have a calculator. We've got a calculator here that uh, you can actually put the bands in you want to work, and it'll actually show you where not to uh, use a length of wire. So it's going to be good. I want to talk to you a little about a new webcast system we're going to be trying to implement here over the next few days. I've been pulling my hair out. It's so simple, but I've been pulling my hair out the last three or four days, tearing this place apart. Uh, it is very, very simple, but in the background, I have to do some things to connect some audio from different programs uh, into the webcast system. And... Uh, it looks like I'm having to use virtual cable and make those connections. We'll talk more about that later. Talk to you again about something. Hey, once we go with this newer system, it's going to make it really, really easy to do a walk around anytime at any ham fest or any gathering or whatever and to get real-time video uh, from our uh, video reporter that's walking around. We'll actually have two-way contact with him while he's walking around. So. And that that'll be really good. Uh, let's jump over on the uh, let's jump over on our remotes here. And it looks like to me, uh, Glenn is the first one up. Glenn, how you doing? And what are you doing? Oh, hanging in there. Uh, like I was saying during the pre-show, uh, I got that Simpson uh, 260 meter at the Huntsville Ham Fest for a whopping five dollars, and got it on the workbench this uh, weekend, and. It turned out it had two of the precision resistors inside had gone bad. And miraculously, I happened to have those exact two values that I needed 
sitting in the in the shelf and they were wire round resistors so they pretty much matched what i had all and right so, so let me let me ask you a question so it, the real cost of this was not five dollars it cost you a little bit more to get the working meter right what, what's your total cost well the resistors i had and they were given to me so it's five dollars plus the mileage to and from huntsville five dollars plus the hotel room and you don't charge anything for labor no man you work cheap okay cheap. yeah you work cheap bill just joined us so i will say hello to bill in just a moment there uh okay well great man i'm glad you got your simpson going now you're in a simpson 260 club with uh some of us and uh man that's a great meter i mean i love that meter i yeah. grew up with that meter with my uncle when he had a tv shop back in the six early 60s oh man it just gives great meter that's all i can say about it man oh yeah oh i love it yeah okay well let's see uh alan come on in here alan and tell us what you got going tonight hey hey did the water go down alan yeah the, the water went down but uh yeah i was watching a couple of videos uh, in addition to the one that i showed uh, last week but uh the raritan river crested a little over 20 feet above its normal levels that's that's kind of how how bad things got here but uh, it's back down to normal now um and uh just a lot of people still cleaning up and cleaning out and uh, you drive through some of the flooded areas and the curbs are just lined with uh everything that uh, got ruined with the flood water so mm. it's uh it'll be a long time before everything gets back to normal but uh you know as i said knockwood we did uh, we did okay here had another pretty nasty storm last night another a few inches of rain but uh, that wasn't anything near what uh, what ida dumped here so uh anyway back to normal yep. uh, glenn glad to hear you're a part of the the two Simpsons, uh, the 260 simpson club <laughs> and great on the repairs it's it's a pretty simple uh meter so as long as the meter movement itself isn't damaged the rest of it uh, can generally be fixed as long as it's not damaged and you don't have any battery leakage problems that gets into the phenolic pcb that is virtually impossible to clean uh if you don't have those problems then you're good to go so uh but very good. Yeah, I figured tonight uh, maybe we'll have a discussion about the uh, station monitors, something that uh, used to be a pretty popular accessory, probably not as much anymore, especially with the new rigs with the waterfall displays and everything on them. You got enough to look at, but uh, but I thought we'd talk about station monitors, and I'll show a little video on the the Kenwood SM220, kind of one of the quintessential station That's monitors a, that you might find out there. Cool monitor. Yeah, cool monitor. All right. Well... I see Bill join us. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Are you there, Bill? Come on in here. Yeah, don't. do you hear my uh, whisper in the background? No, I don't. I, I don't oh, hear good, it. Oh, good, good. I'm uh, copying um, a balloon that's over Hawaii, direct on whisper. It's right on top of the remote radio, and it's very strong. So I'm trying to decode it remotely at the moment. So... Uh, it's an okay. M0MPM-13. They've been flying for six weeks and on their second lap, and they're coming right across Hawaii right now. I guess it was flying beautifully in circles around the Pacific, and then it started heading back towards the West Coast, and then it decided that it was going to take a Hawaii vacation. <laughs> well, that's, so uh, that's, that's, it's that's extremely cool. strong and a remote radio uh nh6xo i think is the remote for radio yeah you know i uh, i've had several balloons that also took a vacation around hawaii it seems like there's a magnet or something down there and uh they like to uh stay in that area there 
So uh, that's cool. And Bill, uh, I, I just look what I got in my hands right here, guys. I've got. Hey, one, there you go. I've got one of Bill's uh, new uh, sky trackers, and uh, this is uh, APRS only. This is not Whisper like we normally would fly, but we're going to be launching this one. Um, we're going to launch this tracker in about two weeks down at the East Tennessee uh, Ham Fest over in Sevierville, Tennessee, if the weather's good. And uh, what this one is basically is a uh, you know two meter. Uh, we got a quarter wave, uh, a piece of I guess that's guitar string that comes up for the antenna, and he's also that's got one. Guitar, that's uh, Ernie Ball number thirteen yeah. guitar string. Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, anxious about trying this. And hey, I was really surprised, Bill, when I opened the box. I mean, it's like I ordered this from the factory. Uh, I mean, I was surprised. It's got one I, of those magic see-through circuit boards. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I kept looking, you know, I, I, kept, I kept unpacking a box. I kept finding more and more and more stuff. Uh, I didn't expect you to send me all that stuff. I thought you were just going to put together a board and send it to me. But, uh, man, uh, you sent you everything. Got everything. It's all turnkey. Everything yeah. you need to, uh, to launch it. Just all you need to add helium. All right. I mean, even the balloon came with it, and uh, that's the nice thing about it. And that's why I wanted to take this one down to uh, Sevierville, and because if you are, um, if uh, you're wanting to get into trying the Pico balloons, uh, you can't go wrong with Bill's because not only is it completely built and tested, but it's also already programmed for you. And you get a balloon, you get everything. You can get the hose to fill it up with. So. Uh, the only thing I was missing, Bill, I was missing the tank of gas. Oh, yeah, I tried to put that in the little box, and it just wouldn't fit. <laughs> you know, I just wonder if you could put enough in a Ziploc bag that you could kind of, you know, squeeze it out, you know? You know, what I could do is put it into the balloon I sent you and just mail the package yeah. to you airmail. Yeah, you can do that. Okay, we got a guest in the room here wanting a link for your uh, tracker here. Uh, he's wanting to, uh, I think he's wanting to order a couple dozen. So, uh, Bill, you could put your uh, information uh, in yeah, the chat. Yeah, I have to there. start at the chat, so hang oh, okay. on. Just uh, go to Bill's, what, your, your QRZ page, right? WB8ELK. Well, what they connect well i don't have much on the qrz i need to do that well uh, they, they can get your me, email email address right yeah i'll put that in the in the okay. chat room here in okay. a second well very good okay well um uh as i said we hope to launch that and uh we're going to be giving a talk about uh, about several things we're going to be talking about ham radio my 58 years in ham radio uh we're going to talk a little about the show and and uh, how it has uh, come along over the past seven or eight years. And we're also going to talk balloons. And, Bill, I even updated the presentation to uh, at the end to talk just a few minutes about the high-altitude balloon that we did. And, uh, you know, that really that seemed more exciting than the other one to me now. I mean, that's exciting. But yeah, it, it went part so of, half the fun is the chase. <clears throat> yeah, on those. But it, it, was, uh, it now, was so. Perfect. When is the Sevierville? When it's Sevierville Hamfest? Yeah, yeah, it's East Tennessee Hamfest. Three clubs have come together, and it, this is a new Hamfest they're having. It's the 25th of September. It's in about three weeks, two weeks or something like that, two to three weeks. And, and it's uh, in Sevierville. Sevierville you have at, a the, at the county at the county fairgrounds in Sevierville. 
Do you have a link you can post in the chat for the Hamfest? Mm, I don't have it queued up, but I'll try to find it. All and right, hey, great. if you want to go, if you want to go over there, you might even get to see Dolly Parton. You know, you might get to Very see good. Dolly. So okay, well, hey, I'm excited, man. I, oh man, I'm excited about it, and uh, oh, we got lots going on here. I'm excited about the next few weeks on on all the things we're working on and and what's happening here. Um, well, let's jump back up to, uh, uh, go back over to Alan, and let's talk about station monitors, and I think he's going to talk a little about that Heathkit monitor. I never had one of those, but I always looked at it. It was really nice. So, uh, Alan, you want to talk about station monitors? Sure, sure. Well, yeah, so what are station monitors? So, um, I'll, I, I've got a video. It's actually of the Kenwood SM220, but uh, Heathkit oh, okay. had one. Uh, Yesu had a couple, um, a couple of the other manufacturers had them. And uh, the primary thing that they're used for is to monitor the RF output of your transmitter and just, just kind of look at the, you know, look at the, the modulated RF envelope. There's also some other functions. Uh, sometimes they included a band scope, uh, similar to the waterfall displays you've got in the modern rigs and things like that. But, uh, and most of them could also double as a, a low bandwidth oscilloscope for doing basic mm -hmm. oscilloscope troubleshooting and things like that. So, so with that, uh, let me see if uh, you've got, you got to give me the ability to share there, Tom, yeah. and then uh, what I'll do is I'll share okay. the video, and then we'll get talk about it more after that. All right. You should have it. All righty, so let's go here. I'll share sound, and let's go click on this guy. Yeah, I really love those Heathkit station monitors. Yeah, yeah, the Heathkit ones were nice. Um, so here's here's a short little video on the on the Kenwood that I have here. And in fact, if you look at my picture, it's kind of uh, right there. <laughs> so there we go. The SM220 is effectively just a very basic oscilloscope but with added features that make it especially useful in the ham radio shack. One of the most common applications for the SM220 is for a transmit signal monitor. Uh, in this case, the transmit signal is routed through the back of the instrument, and the, the RF signal is capacitively coupled to the vertical deflection plates of the oscilloscope trace. And this allows you to look at the RF envelope of your transmitted signal, such as I'm doing here, with a single sideband signal being transmitted into a dummy load. Uh, the RF power is represented vertically, and then the horizontal is just uh, representing time, and we can see the RF envelope. Uh, this can be really useful to look for things like flat topping if you overdrive uh, the signal and that type of thing, but it's a good way just to do a quick check to be sure that the transmitter is operating properly. Another common RF monitoring application is the trapezoid function to look at the linearity of a power amplifier. Now, I don't have a power amplifier here to demonstrate, uh, but I'll put a link below to a video that I found on YouTube that shows how to use that function. But essentially the transmitter or exciter is fed through the back of the device as well as the output of the amplifier. And when the uh, monitor is in the trapezoid function, you get waveforms that look like this. This is where the RF output power is represented vertically from the power amplifier, and then the exciter input power is represented horizontally. And ideally, you get this nice linear shape that would indicate a linear output power change versus a linear voltage change at the input. 
If you do not have things adjusted properly, you can get things like flat topping of the amplifier, or you know even show things like insufficient grid bias on the, uh, the way the amplifier is adjusted. One other function that I use quite often is the band scope feature. Uh, this is an optional feature and actually requires a module to be installed uh, in the instrument here. And it basically turns the scope into a dedicated spectrum analyzer to look at RF activity across uh, a portion of the intermediate frequency stage of the transceiver. There were two band scope adapters available for the SM220. One that was des designed for the uh, TS500 series, like the 520 and 530, uh, that is used to monitor the 3.395 megahertz IF uh, from that transceiver line. And then the other one, called the BS8, is the 8.83 megahertz IF module. And that can look at the 8.83 megahertz IF out of the TS800 series uh, of Kenwood transceivers like the 820, the 830. I've got this hooked into my TS870 right now, looking at some band activity across the, uh, in this case, the 40 meter band. Now, of course, more modern rigs and especially the uh, software-defined radios have got really nice pan adapters with waterfall displays and things like this, but uh, this functionality predated that by uh, a good 20, 25 years or more. Now, if I simply tune across, we can see how I can move those signals across the screen by tuning uh, through them. And as I get each one to the center of the screen, we can kind of hear it on the, uh, on the receiver. A couple of strong signals over here. That's actually a, a shortwave broadcast signal at 7.36 megahertz. We can work our way back. We can listen to potentially some single sideband signals and things like that across the band here. That guy right there is at uh, 7.160. You can adjust the frequency span that the pan adapter is looking at in two steps. You can look at plus or minus 20 kilohertz around the center frequency or plus or minus 100 kilohertz around the center frequency. Now other functions include just your basic oscilloscope functionality. It's a single channel oscilloscope and uh, I would say it's limited in terms of what it can do because it's not calibrated. There's no calibrated vertical scale here. There's just a, a variable setting for the attenuator, uh, either no attenuation or one-tenth or one-one-hundredth, or to simply put it in the monitor mode. So you don't really have a voltage reference unless you apply something else yourself. Similarly, on the horizontal scale, you just have a sweep range. So in this, in this position here, the horizontal sweep range will vary from 10 hertz to go, you know, going very slowly, to 100 hertz, and then you've got 100, 100 to 1K, 1K to 10K, 10K to 100K, but no calibrated horizontal time scale. Uh, similarly, there's no trigger input. Uh, it's kind of an injection lock type oscillator that takes a, a synchronization as a piece of the input signal. It's called a recurrent sweep scope. So limited functionality, but could be used as a basic oscilloscope. You'll notice that the oscillator function also shares a position with what's called RTTY. The scope could be used uh, back in the day for helping to tune in RTTY signals, which were some of the earlier uh, digital modes that uh, were popular and still, still somewhat popular today. Uh, the RTTY mode would also be entered by switching to RTTY over here. And what this does, it puts the scope into XY mode. Uh, and again, I don't have an RTTY demodulator here, so I can't demonstrate this feature. 
But what that would do is the mark and space signals would be applied to the essentially the X and Y inputs. And you'd get essentially uh, kind of crossed bananas type of a display when you properly tune an, an RTTY signal. And finally, the scope also includes a two-tone signal generator that uh, whose output is on this one-eighth uh, phono jack here. And it could output a low-level 1 kilohertz tone as well as a low-level 1.575 kilohertz tone or to put them out uh, simultaneously. And they're designed, they're pretty low level, they're designed to be like microphone level, about 5 millivolts or so. And they could be used as test audio sources when you're working on a transmitter, just to kind of to get things adjusted right, uh, maybe in an RF, in a audio preamp or something like that. And then the two-tone test can be useful to look at things like linearity of not only the audio chain, but in a power amplifier chain. And I've done a video on, uh, on basic two-tone testing in the past, so we could, uh, I'll put a link for that one down below as well. Yeah, so there you have a basic overview of what the Kenwood SM220 station monitor is all about. Kenwood did make a later version of this called the SM230. It's a little bit larger, had a larger rectangular uh, CRT, and also had the pan adapter function built in as opposed to being an optional module that you'd add to the unit. Other radio manufacturers such as Yesu and uh, even Heathkit made their own versions of station monitors that had similar functionality. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the video, learned a little something about what the station monitor is all about. If you liked it... Alright, that was cool. And, you know, the... Um, I didn't like the band scope. It looked pretty yeah, pretty. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty early spectrum analyzer. Yeah. Um, it, it, you can't... There's no adjustments on it in terms of resolution bandwidth and things like that. And... It sweeps, you know, you got to adjust the sweep, otherwise you get a little bit of tearing. You get kind of like the, the sawtooth shape to the peaks. But uh, it certainly doesn't compare to the, the band scopes we have on today's SDR rigs. But uh, oh, yeah. when, you, when you didn't have anything, it was, it was a decent <clears throat> dish like it. All right. Thank you uh, so much for showing that. And uh, good old Kenwood. I had a complete Kenwood set I got rid of here uh, this past year. Hated to get rid of it, but I didn't have any place for it. You know, the speaker and the power supply and the, the, the well, the radio, the speaker, the external VFO, and uh, the tuner. When you lay those things out, it's about five feet across, you know. Hey, uh, I have a question for you, Alan. Uh, will that work with the TS120 or the 130? Um, will there be the connections that that could hook up to? Well, the, the station monitor portion of it, just to look at the RF output, well, you can use with any rig. Doesn't have, doesn't have, it could be anything, because you're just looking at the, the coax going to the antenna, just one routed through the back. The pan adapter piece of it, um, there's two things you got to concern yourself with. One is what IF frequency are, uh, is the radio that you have. And like I said, the, the, the 220 only could accommodate the, the 3.5 megahertz IF that was in some of those Kenwoods and the 8.83 that's actually very popular in a lot of different rigs. I don't know what the IF configuration was in the 120 or if it actually had a broadband IF output. If it didn't, if it had an appropriate IF frequency but didn't have the output, you certainly could add an output, just hack, hack one into it and use it. But, uh, but if, it, if it had a different IF frequency, then you'd either have to modify you know, the, the components in 
the pan adapter module to tune it to that new frequency or use something else like an SDR radio or something. All right, cool. I like it. I just don't have room for it. There was a question. What was the uh, roughly the price on the 220? You still, I guess you can still find them, right? eBay and places. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the MSRP was. It was probably several hundred dollars, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, I know now if you if you find an SM220 in decent condition with the pan adapter, it's not uncommon to see them sell for between two and three hundred dollars. Yeah. So I've yeah. seen even without the pan adapter in good condition sell well over a hundred dollars. So it's uh, it's. You know, what's funny is that, you know, if you're just going to use it without the pan adapter primarily as a station monitor, just about any old analog scope would work. Uh, before I had the SM220, I had a, a little uh, B&K Precision. I forget the model number. But it was a tiny little scope. It was only about, uh, you know, that big and about the size of a shoebox and had a mm -hmm. small CRT. But one of the nice things about it is on the back panel, it actually had direct access to the vertical deflection plates. And they were coupled with a link to, you know, to the vertical amplifier. So you're able to actually disconnect those links. And I mounted a box on the back of mine. And I capacitively coupled the RF signal right to those deflection plates, which is exactly what uh, happens inside the SM220. And it worked out to be a pretty decent uh, you know, RF you know, output station monitor for that I got for a couple of bucks at a hand fest. You know, All right. The big thing for me was the, uh, the RIDI display. But that, like you said, the cross bananas, that was vital to be able to tune a RIDI signal back then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've never RIDI'd, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the, uh, the, the the good old days of RIDI. And, uh, you know, back then I, I actually built a homemade um, RTTY terminal unit, you know, with the toroids in it. And actually built a scope in it. I got a scope tube and actually built a scope in it. And. It's kind of neat seeing that 850 cycle shift. It looks like a plus, and the, the 170 shift. It kind of, you know, kind of gets like that, you know. And but that's how you tune it in, man. That was kind of kind of cool. Well, hey, thanks so uh, much for a, showing I, us. I had a blast on Riddy. Um Besides CW, Riddy was my first digital mode. Yeah, yeah. Well, then that you digital mode's been around a long time. Toroids. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, let's jump over to Rich. Are you here, Rich? Where's Rich? Yes, I am. I hear him. Good evening, everybody. I don't see him. Why do I not I see I'm him? Here. There he is. Now there he is. There, there he is. is. Hey, okay. Rich. Oh, man, how you doing up here? Pretty good. We uh, managed to survive Ida. Yeah. A lot of our neighbors uh, had a lot of bad flooding we uh our house is up on a little rise from the street we had a four foot lake at the bottom of our street um 10 inches of rain in five hours does not uh, do a lot for drainage systems and uh we had lots and lots of people abandoning their cars a lot of cars that were parked and are yep. no longer functional as cars um contents of people's basements out at the curb is really uh very sad to see yeah but uh such is the nature of nature these days well, we had rain come through here again today uh i think there was another hurricane that hit the gulf coast down here what last day or two i think it was a cat one or something very small 
Uh, so uh, hopefully it won't bring a lot of rain up to you guys up here. I know you're saturated right now with, with water up here. Most definitely. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we normally have somewhere around two inches of rain in the entire month of September. And uh, we had 10 inches in, in five hours. So Yeah, yeah. A bit overwhelming. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, you're here to tell us about CQ. Uh, tell us what we have to look forward to coming up uh, here. Well, first of all, since everybody was talking about Ridi a minute ago, uh, I want to start out with our CQ Worldwide Ridi DX contest, which is coming up later this month. It starts off the CQ Worldwide season. Uh, the Ridi contest is this month. The voice contest is October, and the CW contest is November. So uh, let's if you're into Ridi, this is uh, the time to work the world with it. In the September issue, we've got a wide variety of things. This is um, a couple of a very important article, uh, but we start out with uh, a very interesting piece about the possibility of Cuba jamming radio amateurs, part of some of the political stuff that's going on down there. We normally try to stay away from politics, but when it intrudes on the hand bands, uh, we report on it, and uh, that's what we've got in this uh, lead article, is Cuba jamming radio amateurs. Um, the big article is on understanding and complying with the FCC's new rules on analyzing RF exposure. Um, we've got uh, a whole bunch of communication attorneys who are also hams uh, who analyze the whole thing and uh, discuss what the changes are from the old rules to the new rules. Um, there are no changes in the maximum permissible exposure rates levels um what has changed is the determination of whether we have to make an analysis of our stations there's no longer the blanket exemption that used to exist if you ran under a certain amount of power and uh, hey, now, hey rich let me yeah. let me let me just jump in here a second uh, probably a lot of people that have not been following this don't know what this is but now if you're a ham there are new requirements coming out by the fcc that everybody is going to have to file this study i guess that you do this evaluation right well you don't have to file it you just have to, have to keep have in it. your station records that you have made the assessment either that based on the formulas that uh, are out there that you're exempt from doing a quote routine station analysis or make the analysis um, there are several websites including ARRLs that have online calculators where you can plug in the parameters of your station and see if you're exempt from conducting a routine evaluation uh, we're following up in October with a computer program that was written like 30 years ago by N6NB uh, where he basically says now it's easier to just do the evaluation than to figure out whether you're exempt um, yeah but uh, these uh, this article really goes goes into detail on what the new requirements are and the, the bottom line is now that every time you make a change in your station whether it's power output or antenna, location, design, 
etc. You have to do another analysis of whether you need to do the full evaluation or do an evaluation. But basically, every time you change your station, um, and that includes mobile and portable operations, you have to assess it to see that you are within compliance with the RF exposure uh, regulations. Again, the exposure limits themselves have not changed. It's just the way that we need to approach them. Um, so it's, it's a very important topic because it affects every one of us. And uh, we're covering it both in September in, in great detail and then again in October with uh, information on actually making an assessment so uh, or evaluation. So those are, are very important articles in the next two issues, September and October. Um, we have, as always in September, the results of the uh, WPX single sideband contest, which was held in the spring. And uh, we uh, continue to have record participation. Uh, thanks in large part, unfortunately, to the pandemic. People are stuck at home in March, which is when the contest was, and uh, spent a lot more time on the radio than they might otherwise. We've also got the rules for this coming CQ Worldwide DX contest. Again, the single sideband weekend is in October. CW is in November. We've got a couple of new categories. Actually, they're overlays. Um, one is a youth overlay, and the other is called Explorer, which uh, gives you a wide latitude in doing different innovative things with your station. Um, so you'd have to take a look at the announcement or the rules on our website or on cqww.com for the specifics of it. But if, if you're into trying all sorts of new and different technology, then the Explorer category is something you might want to look at. And the youth category, obviously, is just a separate category for young contesters, and we know there are a growing number of them out there to compete in against each other as opposed to just uh, the whole group. We've also got a great look back at his own career in DXing by um, Marty Lane, OH2BH, who is an icon of DXing and de-expeditioning. He has opened up a dozen countries to amateur radio, having the first operations from those countries, and he's been all over the place. And he's been doing it for 50 years now, and I'm sorry, 60 years, and uh, takes a, a right to retrospective for us in this issue. So if you enjoy DXing and de-expeditioning, and you've ever worked Marty as uh, OH2BH or Miss Canary Islands, uh, station is EA8BH. Very, uh, you'll be very interested in, in reading his story. We've got a, a review and a builded article on building your own solid state linear amplifier. It's a look at the KM3 KM Electronics Mercury 3S amplifier kit. This is an, an amp kit. Uh, but to me, what's more interesting than the radio and the review? is the author who was first licensed 50 years ago, got out of ham radio for a long time because of other things going on in his life, recently came back 
hasn't picked up a soldering iron in 50 years, and what's the first thing he decides to build? An amplifier kit that's really jumping into the deep end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, fortunately for himself, for the amplifier, and now for us, uh, was successful at building this and uh, is enjoying telling us about it. So that's uh, a really cool story. Among our columns, uh, Joe Eisenberg in kit building has a key project for us, which uh, you might have an inkling has to do with CW and a key. In our learning curve column, which is our basics column, we go really basic with a look at, at resistors. You know, a lot of people don't really have experience with, with putting things together when they first start out in the hobby with building things, maybe a little less complicated than an amplifier kit. Um, and understanding the color codes on resistors, or nowadays with the smaller surface mount resistors um, and chip resistors, they don't even have color codes anymore. They have little numerical codes like 104. Um, so understanding what those mean and which ones go where is important. And it's uh, part of our ongoing commitment since 1945 to uh, helping the newcomer as well as the old timer have fun in ham radio and succeed. Our VHF plus column is maybe not for the brand new ham, unless they're experienced in microwaves. Um, but uh, Trent N4DTF takes a look this month at 1.2 gigahertz band, which he calls the gateway drug to the world of microwave action. Um, you really uh, can get hooked and uh, it gets you involved in all sorts of other microwave stuff. I know I've, I've had limited experience on 1296, which is uh, the band there, but I found it fascinating when uh, I was on, I was, I was uh, operating D-Star when it first came out, and I had the uh, ID1 radio from ICOM, which is a 1296 rig, and I was speaking to someone through the repeater on the Empire State Building in New York City, as I was heading into the city uh, in the car. And I was coming in through the Lincoln Tunnel. And for those of you who are, are not familiar with that approach to New York City, there's a, a helix as you approach the tunnel, as you come down off the highway. And there's a huge rock wall on the back end of the helix. The front end is the Hudson River looking across New York City. And as soon as I got past the buildings and into that open area where with New York City on one side and the rock wall on the other, signal just went, hmm. just disappeared because I suddenly realized I was getting multipath from the rock wall, a little bit out of phase with the signal coming right across the river. And it just broke up completely, even though I could see the antenna. Um, and then... And I got into the tunnel. The tunnel is just the right size to be waveguide at 1296. Oh, wow. And I was able to carry on the QSO inside the Lincoln Tunnel for quite a ways, I guess about a quarter mile in, and then the last quarter mile coming out, I was able to pick it up again because the, it was the tube was the perfect size for 
radio waves at that frequency. So it was very, very cool. I had a lot of fun on that band. I got to get that radio back up and running. Yeah. Um, going back to the magazine, our awards column, speaking of VHF and UHF, they take a look this month at the Fred Fish Memorial Award. This has got to be one of the most challenging awards that there is, um, even maybe more challenging than our Work Doll Zones or USACA Awards. You have to work every grid square in the continental United States on six meters to get this award. And uh, how many of them are there here? Let's see. 488. You have to work all 488 grid squares in the continental U.S. to qualify for this award. So far, as an indication of how difficult it is, only 12 people have earned it. So... If you're looking for a challenge, that's a challenge for you. Our DX column takes a look at remote DX and DXing, and then propagation. NW7US takes a look at autumn propagation, time of change, equinoctial propagation. Conditions are pretty much equal on both sides of the equator, and uh, leads to some very interesting propagation conditions. Those are some of the highlights of the September issue. Um, our October issue, which we're just wrapping up now, is our emergency communication special. So we'll be back in a few weeks to tell you about that. And uh, I believe that our uh, Summer Madness subscription special is still going on, where you uh, get an extra copy for each year. So if you sign up for one year, you get 13 copies. For two years, you get 26 copies. and three years, you get 39 copies. Um, and uh, you can access that by just going to our website at www.cq-amateur-radio.com. You can find out all about it. All right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I've got a friend here in town that has worked all grids on satellite. There's, a, I think there's only, a, you can count them on one hand how many people have done that. So six meters, that would be a challenge. And uh, uh, if you're looking for something in ham radio to do, there's always something new like that. Man, it's got there's so many things I heard to do now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I periodically hear from someone who says, oh, I'm getting bored with ham radio. And uh, I, I tell them, then you're not looking hard enough because there are just so many different things that you can do in this hobby and so many different exits and off-ramps you can take and get into all sorts of, of new and different activities and uh, have be, be a newcomer at something and uh, learn it all from scratch all over again. There's always a lot of people out there willing to help. Yeah. Well, Rich, thank you uh, so much for uh, taking your time to uh, be with us tonight and share with us What's coming up in CQ? Looking forward to it. My pleasure. Sorry to be a little late. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. We will not uh, find you at this. Uh, uh, that was your first time, so not a problem. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much, man. Thank you. All right. Good night, everybody. All right, all right guys. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about. We're going to have some fun here in a little while. We're going to talk about some really interesting things. Um, stand by. We'll be back in just a moment. Contests remotely are from the comfort of your home. ICOM has the perfect base station ready for action. 
The IC9700, the IC7610, and the IC7300 transceivers are top of the line and are the first choice for contesters across the globe. Robust base stations like these cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Stay connected and keep your competitive contesting edge with ICON. Heard it, worked it, logged it. Create your own band openings with the 9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. It's loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. It has faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Check out the large touchscreen, the spectrum scope waterfall, smooth satellite operation with 99 channels, and it has full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7610 is the SDR that every ham wants. This is a high performance SDR. It can pick out the faintest signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The 7610 is a direct sampling software defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. It has RF direct sampling and independent dual receivers. The IC7300 changed the way entry level HF is designed. Top performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. It has RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, guys, we are back, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, some uh, interesting things here in just a minute. I did pull up the web page for the East Tennessee uh, Ham Fest. Let me get it on here and let everybody see it. You can go to uh, EastTennesseeHamFest.com, and uh, I think that's their uh, website. And um, you can see it's September 25th. Now, I see here gates open at 8 o'clock a.m., no exceptions. I'm not sure what that means. I guess that means nobody's going to get in until 8 o'clock. I, I think that's what that means. No exceptions to the public. Okay. I guess if you have a flea market space, you can get in earlier. Okay. I think right. I've got it figured out there. Yeah. The All right. But it's in before 8. Yeah. It's going to be there at the fairgrounds, the Sevier, uh, fairgrounds, Sevier County Fairgrounds at uh, 754 Old Knoxville Highway uh, out of Sevierville. They're going to have 17 acres of ham radio out there, so um, check it out if you can get there. <clears throat> Again, that would be also 14, that's 11 days from now, isn't it? That's not, not much. So, got a lot of forums. Uh, I'll be doing a, a talk there again on uh, ham radio, and we'll uh, get a little bit into the, our balloons that uh, we've done in the past. 
Uh, we'll launch the balloon that uh, I just received from Bill. If the weather's good, it's going to be an APRS only, and uh, we'll uh, we'll put the web page up if you guys want to track it. So we'll be launching it on Saturday the 25th. It's going to be a um, it's going to be one of those small 36 inch silver balloons. Um, I don't expect it to go around the world many times. Um, uh, you know, it um, it might not even make it around once, but it can. That was the very first balloon that Bill launched for us was the 36-inch Mylar Silver Balloon. It made it all the way to Japan, and it went down in a storm uh, in Japan. So um, it, uh, it, it can make it. Now, right now is the wintertime. It's good flying months for people to fly because in the wintertime, you don't have the storms that uh, we typically uh, have during the summertime. Uh, there's some balloons now that have been up. I think I saw a report today, one that's been up, I don't know, Bill, maybe you can correct me here, 132 days has been around six times or something like that. So, um, you know, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be yeah, interesting. That, that balloon uh, was launched on May 5th from Cleveland, Ohio, and it just went right back across Cleveland this morning on its sixth lap, and it's been up for 123 days. That's uh, that's pretty good. And again, that's I think that they, they're, a lot has to happen here. You have to have luck, and you have to have good weather, and all that kind of stuff goes together. So That, that was a pre-stretched yeah. uh, SBS-13. They actually pressure tested it at the, the company, so they were able to get the they don't make very many of those. It's an SBS 13X, yeah. and they they pressure test each lot they do as a quality of control, and they sell that balloon. So what kind of altitude what were they getting with it? They're at 43,000 feet or so, and uh, uh, it's really helping with their longevity. And it's a 20-meter whisper uh, sky tracker, yep. so it's... Uh, it's been uh, up there for a long time, almost yep. a third of a year. Yeah, yeah. I thought we did good at staying up 72 days, but uh, they're they're beating us. So this winter, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get back on it, Bill. I would say I would say after this one goes down, after our launch here in two weeks, after it goes down, uh, we're gonna be gearing up for a, a long duration, higher altitude balloon. I still got the itch. I still got the itch to try to get a bigger well, envelope. My rule of thumb for uh, the best time to go around the world uh, with the highest winds is to launch in any month that ends in an R. Yep. Uh, so September really is the beginning of the uh, quick path around the world. You'll still get caught up in, uh, there's still hurricanes out there, but uh, as long as you avoid those, um, yeah, it works pretty well. One of our balloons, I think, one flight, it almost broke a record, or it came close to a record of going around. It seemed like eleven days. I don't remember, Bill. Do you remember? Eleven. Uh, eleven days is about the record, and you yeah. were right on. You were right on that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, man. Well, we're gonna see. We're gonna see what we can do I've, here. Okay. I've seen them go over two hundred miles an hour ground speed. Yeah. So uh, during yeah. January and February. So. All right, so there you go. Come see that, us at the. Uh, uh, Hamfest looks real. pretty neat. Uh, yep. I'll be up in Ohio, unfortunately, during well, that. Uh, you need weekend, to drop by but... and see us. Drop by and see us. So, uh, 
It's a, it's a New Ham Fest, three clubs. I think even Nashville has jumped in with them, and uh, they're oh, trying great. to put on they're trying to put on a New Ham Fest out there. So we we don't know a whole lot about it, but uh, it might turn out to be a grow into a very big one, you know. All right. Um, okay. You know, uh, one of the things I've been working on the last few days, we're, we're I'm looking at coming up with a, a, a uh, simplified webcast that looks beautiful and works great. And we found a, a system that will do that. Uh, right now, people have to understand that right now, this webcast is happening because I have one, two, three, four computers networked with Zoom on one, uh, with uh, Wirecast running on this one, with uh, a minimum with a chat room here, and over here, uh, a lot of other things, four or five things going on with this one. Plus, we've got mixers, we've got audio lines in and out of all these PCs, and it's mixed, multi-channels. This is, it, it's difficult to take this when you go somewhere. You can't just tear the studio down. Uh, and when we do go to places like uh, Huntsville Hamfest, we have our, our, rob our mobile cart, and we basically try to emulate this as much as we can but we don't bring in remote guests we don't need to at, at, at ham uh, at hamfest and we don't bring in uh, skype so that makes it easier but you guys have probably noticed that cart is about 80 pounds and that cart is big and as we're trying to roll through these crowds it doesn't want to steer very well uh, and we have we've, we we have some difficulties w with it you know uh, various things going wrong we have found a web-based uh, uh, webcasting application here where I can take a single PC and with a, with a browser, I can bring in guests and it switches beautifully. I mean, I can bring, it looks like a, a TV station is playing around and bringing all the different uh, shots and pictures in. It's really nice and really smooth. I really, really like it. Now, I can share videos, I can put overlays, uh, I can run you know, um, things like that. But here's what I'm working on for that. I've got to get our phone system working on the same PC, say the same laptop. And if you guys know about Windows, there's only one audio system basically in Windows. And when you run multiple different applications, they each have to take that that audio driver that that audio driver is kind of captured one and it kind of keeps you from using the other one and so forth so i've got to tie our phone system application running in the background uh to the webcast browser with two-way uh with with uh, two-way audio back in, in and out now I'm having to do this with virtual cable. If anybody has any experience with uh, virtual cables, uh, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, I'm, I'm running, I, I ordered its software, the virtual cable is called AB Audio. It's a more simple one than, this, than the original virtual cable. Uh, but you have a cable, and it actually has, a, the cable uh, has an in and an out on it. And you just, uh, you, you go over to your, your computer and uh, you 
pick, uh, you know, you bring up the, the mic configuration and you change it from mic to um, uh, uh, cable A output. And then you go over to the other program and you define the output of it and you do cable A input. So output goes into input, input goes to the output, and, you know, it does that. So I've got it working, uh, both channels working for the phone system now. Uh, the only problem is I haven't been able to work in my local microphone. Once I do that, I lose my local uh, microphone. So we're working those issues out. I think I'll be able to do the same thing with Zoom, where I can run Zoom in the background on the same laptop. And by using virtual cable, uh, I can bring the audio in and out of Zoom into the show and um, be able to share screen. So. Uh, the uh, zoom uh, screen would come up just like a, a camera shot basically so uh, this has some exciting uh, possibilities I'm hoping to maybe by next week uh, next Tuesday to do a little testing with it uh, I surely will take it to North Carolina with us we're going in two weeks we're going to the ham fest from there we're going to our home over in North Carolina uh, We'll be over there about a week. So I will do a show from North Carolina in two weeks. And I hope to be able to use the new platform because it's simple, but it looks really, really good. I think you're going to really like it. Um, so it, the platform works today by bringing in guests, but I just can't bring the phone, line lives on it, phone lines in on it. And uh, I can bring up to six uh, co-host in but I can't open it up to a bunch of people uh, like I could with Zoom so I'm hoping to use that in a couple weeks uh, over in North Carolina so that's going to be uh, real exciting to uh, to have that and just think of the possibilities there now if I go someplace like Huntsville or somewhere we don't have to roll the card around the 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 webcast remains right there in our booth and uh, we're running and I have someone take a camera, just a smart camera, like this, and uh, from my booth, I just send them a link through email or whatever. You click on that, you click on that link, and that makes this a remote camera on your network. So you, we could actually be walking around in the flea market with with this, and I could be back at the booth. Uh, bringing you into the show where something like this you know I could bring a I could Glenn could have a camera out in a flea market and there I am here and I could say Glenn back up and show me that again two-way voice communications with my camera person and uh, it will uh, it, it should be really good and uh, I've ordered some little uh, uh, wireless mics to go in the camera uh, there's a receiver on top there you might see it and um, these little wireless, these little wireless transmitters here are kind of neat. The fact that um, there's two of them here, you can run a uh, lapel mic. You can plug a lapel mic into it and clip it on you, or it works just as well. It has a built-in mic, so if your microphone is external mic is off of here, this still has a mic, and you just take this and you just. You just flip it on you. That's your microphone. And uh, we can have two, one for the person who carry the camera, and one or two for the people doing the interviewing. So uh, I think it, uh, this is going to work out really well. 
looking forward to uh, to doing it. But I, I want to get the uh, the virtual cables and stuff working uh, in it there. So that's kind of what we're uh, what we're looking at. Be kind of easy just to carry this around and uh, just kind of aim it, you know. So that we're that would be cool. Yeah. That's all it takes to get out there, and uh, uh, it it brings you into our booth, just like you're a separate camera shot, just like you're cabled in. I can select you, or I can deselect you, you know. And I can see you, and I can talk to you uh, as That's you're walking cool around. Part. I can say, Glenn, back up, show me that Collins equipment again, and you just back up and you show, you know. Are yeah. for questions in cool. the chat room? We just relay it right directly across the uh, the camera there. So I think uh, I think that's going to be really really good uh, for us right there. Uh, hey, the next thing I want to talk about tonight was wire antennas, particularly long wire random random length antennas coming in maybe hooked right to your tuner and. Uh, you know, we've all put antennas up out there. I, I try mainly to use uh, resonant antennas. I like resonant antennas, but I do like to have an antenna that I, that I can use on multiple bands just as a, a backup or, or just to have an extra antenna, you know. So I've tried a lot of random linked wires in, uh, in my uh, past, and... Um, I always thought the more wire you get out, the better, you know. But I, I've been looking into lately uh, some things here about random wire antennas, and there's a lot of really good websites. Now I'll post these links in our in our chat room. But uh, there's been a lot of study that has been done on random linked wires, and there's some links that you really, really need to stay away from. You wonder why you, you put up a, a random antenna and it works on three bands, but two other bands that just will not tune. Well, that's because the length falls into a, a range where you shouldn't, you shouldn't be using it. So here's a, a, a website here talking about the best random wire antenna links. And... The thing is, you want to stay away from a half wavelength or multiples of a half wavelength. Uh, on you know, and and you just got to do that. So this person has uh, put together uh, a list here of of links. Now you got to pick the band you the high the lowest frequency band you want to work. So let's say if we want to work uh, 80 meters and and up, we'd we'd choose the 3.8 a 3.8 uh, meg uh, frequency here. So here are some here are here are um, the links you need to stay away from. You need to stay away from the 123 feet, 246 feet. These are all multiples of half wave. 369, 492. Again, on all these bands, these these multiples are these. These links here are, are, are actually half waves for those bands, or multiples of half waves of those bands. And look, there's a, there's a list right there of the, the 
the feet that you want to stay away from. So there are certain uh, certain links that work better uh, that that uh, different uh, manufacturers are telling you to try to stick with. Let me look at another link here. Let's see what this is. Something to think about too. Yeah, yeah go ahead. But the uh, these are the links that you probably want to stay away from if you're doing kind of like I said a random length and using a tuner to tune it. Right. Um, if you're specifically designing a N-fed half wave with a proper N-fed half wave matching unit, then those links that you want to stay away from are exactly the links you want to use on those bands. Yeah. So again, here's um, another site that shows again the red are, are, are links you would not want to use. You might want to read this. For instance, uh, if you if you wanted to work 40, 30, 20, and 17, that's the green here. Let's look at the chart down here. So you can see uh, in the white, uh, that's the area is okay to work in. But look, ah, there's a green there that you might hit. There's a green there. There's more green down here. So this is uh, some interesting things. You ought to read this and, and understand it a little bit more. Let me uh, Let me pull up another one here. Um, Ballon Designs uh, uh, has, you know, he makes a lot of great ballons out there, and these are links again that uh, in SWR that he's he has uh, actually put in a chart for you. Now here's uh, here's something that's kind of neat right here. The K7MEM site, you can go down, and he he talks about very simple tuning uh, that you can do, uh, but I want you to look at this. He has a, he's got a calculator here, and you just, it's an active calculator. You check the bands that you think you're going to operate, so I'm going to uncheck them all. Okay, so, so look at this. So, um, right now, we don't know what band we're going to operate on, so hey, your wire can be any length here. Watch this. Let's put 80 meters in here. Oh, we got some red here for 80. That, that, those are areas that we don't want to use. We don't want a piece of wire. Looks like anywhere from from 66 feet down, probably. Um, let's uh, let's put 40 meters in and see what happens. Now we're going to work 80, and we're also going to work 40. So I'm going to click both bands. Watch what happens. Okay, I didn't see much change. Let me unclick it. Okay, I didn't see much change at all. 80 and 40 look pretty good. Let's add 20 meters to it. I'm going to click on the 20 meters here. Oh, when I clicked on 20, you can see a little red spot showed up right here, right under 100 feet. Let's add 17 meters. Oh, not much of a problem. One little frequency there. Let's add 15 meters. Well, we added 15 meters, and that actually puts some more no-nos in there where we don't want to be. 12 meters, and then here's uh, here's 10 meters. Look at there, when, boy. When we add 10 meters, it really uh, if you're if you're wanting to work, you know, 80 on up to 10. Look at the places you should not be. So uh, there are some uh, there's some. Uh, uh, Tom, I yeah. can tell you a couple. One situation where you might want to operate in those red zones. Um, when I was in college, I didn't have room to put up a full dipole, so I had a random wire antenna out the yeah. window and a tuner, 
and my upstairs neighbor had this awful stereo that he'd leave on all night long and all you'd hear downstairs was boom boom oh, yeah. boom to boom yeah. you'd hear the bass tones all night long so i would get on the radio right as he went to bed and detune my tuner and i could get into his speaker wires and cause a horrendous noise and make him turn off his stereo so it'd be very useful for that oh yeah yeah that would be a time you'd want to use the red for sure and uh uh and and don't hook a ground up that would also be good too just you know if you really want to uh trash him Hey, let's add six meters to this and see what happens when we add six meters to it. I don't know what's going to happen here, but oh man! Yeah, look. if you get a if you get a spark off your microphone, then you're then you're golden yeah. for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, uh, Charlie asked about six meters. Uh, look at this. Uh, uh, right now, I've got all bands selected except sixty meters, it's, and it's narrowing it down to places where we should not be. Now, look at this. I'm going to add six meters to this, and look what happens. Here we go. Later, I added six meters to that. And it's getting very critical. If you want to work all those bands and easily tune them, it's really limiting you now to very specific lengths of wire there uh, that you can use uh, for, um, for that. Let's take six meters off. And I'm going to click on once. I'm going to click on 60. I'm going to add 60 meters. Well, it, it didn't do much. 60 meters added just a little bit under the 90, 90 foot area there. Let's see. Well, that's 80. Let's see. 60. 60 just uh, right below the 90 feet there. there it, you can see the change there. It's uh, changing a little bit. I'm going to add 160 in. Oh man, I added 160 and it says there's nothing you can use there except, looks like about a 134 to 142 foot. So guys, this is a, these are some uh, interesting pages here if you'd like to read up about uh, random length wire and what's the best link to use for random link uh, with a tuner. Uh, I found it really interesting to do. I'll, uh, I'll post those links uh, here in the chat room. Uh, let's see if I can do that right now. Uh, here we go. Here's the yeah, those, those are links to avoid if you're if you are going to be using a tuner. Um, if you if you do want to build a and to do a single band, you know, N-fed half wave, and build yourself a forty-nine to one, uh, you know, transformer. Then you actually do want to use those half wavelength links, you know, for yeah. kind of a mono band operation. And uh, I found a pretty cool um, um, coupler, or you know, forty nine to one uh, a coupler uh, ballon, if you will, that uh, that I picked up. I haven't used it yet, but uh, let me show you that real quick while you're posting those links. Okay. Uh, let me see if I could find. Uh, Let's see. I got to figure out what uh, what page to share here. Just give me a second here. Uh, I, I built up several of the uh, forty nine to one and the nine to one balance here. Yeah, this uh, this looks pretty cool. We'll call it a spark plug antenna, and it looks a bit yeah. like a spark plug, but it, it basically it's a BNC connector on the one end. Uh, let's see. Tubing and a uh, you know, me, thumb screw on the other. Here we go. 
49 to 1 toroid on it there uh, that you can use, uh, you know, very simply plug on the back of your rig, put your uh, your NFET half wave on it, and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, cool. Here's one, uh, Here, here's a homebrew ballon, I think, I don't, I'm not sure, Alan, if this is a 9 to 1 or a 49 to 1, uh, let me, you have to help me here with the turns, let me see, look. Uh, yeah, here's a, here's just a little simple one I built a while back. Uh, yeah, um, that, that, that's the, can't tell what the primary, it looks, it does look like it's. It's got two, I think it's two turns primary with, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 11, 12, 13, looks like 14 turns. Now, what I mean, you have to square, right? Yeah, you square it. So that's a 49 to 1. Yeah, okay, this is a 49 to 1 right here. And Because uh, if it's 2 and 14, then it's a 7 to 1. You square that, it's 49 to 1. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and in those cases, like like uh, Alan was saying, in those cases, you do want a specific, let's see, is it on the 49 to 1, do you want a half wave? You want a half wave, yep. All right, what about the 9 to 1 is, uh, I think the 9 to 1 is your random length, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one you generally want to use with a random length because you're going to be closer to what yeah. that random impedance is going to be. Right. Okay, so I posted those links. Let's see, why would it be okay to use those links for a monoband, uh, but not with the tuner? Charlie's asking why it would be okay to use those links for a single band. Well, Usually the tuner is going to have have trouble uh, dealing with an impedance so high yeah. it, with that N-fed half wave. When it is a half wavelength, the feed point impedance of that N-fed is going to be very high, and very high, three to four thousand ohms. And that's typically going to be much higher than a tuner can typically tune to. When you when you get off of that half wavelength length, the, the impedance at the N-fed uh, isn't going to be that you know isn't going to be that high. And a uh, tuner will generally work. And you so, know, a, a uh, an in-fed antenna is it's really got some voltage on the end there on the feed point. I, I, I guess on both ends, right? Well, you got to figure if, if at the end of the day you're talking about how much power you're going to get into it. Yeah. And if you're talking about a very high impedance, in order to get that power, you need a high voltage. It's low so, current and high voltage at the end points. So, and, uh, Alan, I was experimenting here with. Um, a uh, infed um, uh, it was a half wave infed of course vertical with the uh, the ballon at the well didn't use a ballon at the bottom at first I, I built the matching stub using the uh, what is it uh, 450 ohm open line and uh, there's a lot of articles on that if you use a quarter wave of that and feed that you know with your coax and quarter wave of a 450 ohm line to a half wave uh, vertical wire yeah, you should have a really good match, and um, it, it really was a, a great match. And I came in and I cranked up about a kilowatt on it, and uh, SWR is looking really good, man. And I'm thinking this is really going to be a pretty neat antenna, you know. So I go back out there to check it, and my 450 ohm ladder line is on fire, and it's dripping balls of uh, fire, you know, into my flower bed back there. So I thought, okay. I need something a little bit better. So I built me some, I, I don't know, open ladder line, you know, got me, made me some insulators out of some PVC pipe and mm-hmm. spaced them about, I don't know, four or five inches apart and just ran me some number, uh, number 12 wire, you know, down it and made me some ladder line, put a quarter wave of that on there and, uh, hey, it didn't catch on fire. It worked great. But 
you got a quarter wave of that sticking across the yard out there, and I didn't like the looks of that. So uh, I, I, I took that down, and I ended up, um, let's see, I ended up on that particular one. Uh, oh, I got a great big uh, M&M's jug about this, about this big, and I put a fixed capacitor and uh, an inductor in there, uh, found the right values to match it. So it makes it a single band antenna, but uh, uh, it seems to hold the power uh, really well. So uh, that hey, was. Alan, can you share the link yeah. on that infant half wave that you popped up earlier? On the the spark plug uh, transformer. Yeah, yeah. In the in yeah. chat, can you share that in the chat room? Yep. There you go. There you go. And uh, is, is that a? Is, that's not a real spark plug, is it? No, it, it looks like one, but it's it's basically a piece of PVC. Okay. Uh, and then uh, and then the thumbscrew at one end. You know, over the years, over the years, I've seen uh, lightning protection devices that hams have built, and there's been write-ups, and I've seen people use spark plugs. Yep. For lightning, a lightning arrester, they mount that in a you know a, a piece of metal and uh, put that ground that put that. Uh, Spark plug in there, hook the top, put the antenna to the top of that, and uh, I guess that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good lightning, uh, yeah, arrester. Sure, and you can adjust the uh, adjust the gap. Yeah, on adjust it. the gap. You know, you only forty thousandths or twenty five right. or, you know, uh, I'm just not sure how much. How, I wonder if thirty. I wonder if you could run a kilowatt on thirty thousandths spacing. I don't. know, That seems awful narrow. I mean, it depends on it depends on what the feed point impedance. If, if you're on 50 ohm line, probably could. If you're on 450 ohm line, probably not. We well, need to figure out how much uh, how much voltage you're going to have. It's going to be real high voltage, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, really, the voltage is going to depend on the line impedance. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've got out there, and I was just looking at it. I'm going to be doing some antenna work here pretty soon. I'm I'm putting me up another delta loop. Um, you know, Alan, I have a, a delta loop out there that performed really well. And um, I get my Balan, Balans now through Balan Design. He makes the best Balans in the world. They're related at 3,000 watts. He said, if you ever have a problem, if you ever burn one up, send it back to me. I'll get you another one. But that's not, you know, that's not going to happen. But all the write-ups that I've, I've seen over the years, on a, on a delta loop, they, they talk about using a 4-to-1 Balan. Now, uh, a, a a delta loop is about a hundred ohms, so that's a little bit of a mismatch, you know. To me, that's more of a two to one type deal. I ordered a two to one ballon from him uh, last month, and uh, I put it on out there. And guess what? The SWR was so much higher with the two to one on, which I thought was going to be almost a perfect match to that antenna. So uh, I'm going to have to dig into that and see what's going on there. Probably could adjust it down by by changing the length of it, uh, and I'm going to put me some different wire up. The wire I've used all these years on my Delta Loop is military field wire, which I had spools of it uh, that Uncle Sam gave me. And uh, that wire, if you if you know what field wire is, it's 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 a, a black uh, twin like a zip line, two conductor, two two sides, and each side has it's it's a uh, it's um, it has I think uh, four copper uh, four copper in it. I think it's got three steel in it, so it's very strong. 
it's very strong. You, you could pull a car with it. Uh, but, you know, it's relatively small, plus it's got the steel in here. So I'm not sure how efficient it's been, but it's always been a great performing antenna for me. But uh, I got this new Balon, and, uh, hey, I've got me some number, I found me some, uh, some junk number 10 wire out there, stranded, and I already cut it the length to get started. So I'm just going to put me up another one. I've already shot me a line over a couple tree limbs that are about, 70 feet probably in the air so I, I should be able to pull it up really good so i hope to get that back on soon uh but uh i i, I really like the i really like the uh, delta loop i got to get it back on and it's starting to get cool here the past couple months and glenn i don't know how it was in mississippi but last couple months you just didn't work outside on antennas here no, you didn't go outside unless you absolutely had to. It's just been brutal. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this morning was nice. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's been nice the past uh, a couple of weeks, and that's why I was able to go outside and shoot a lion over 70 or 80-foot tree limbs up here. And uh, uh, I had one difficult one up here, but hey, it took me three shots with a slingshot, and I, I put it right in there, man. You know, so uh, I'm. Uh, I think uh, over the next few days, I'll get back out and pull my my rope over it, and get ready to pull my my uh, my wire up, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try the two to one two to one balance and see if I can't get this thing going again. And uh, Let's see what else is going on. Uh, well, that, that's kind of our discussion I wanted to have on antennas tonight. Um, guys, please uh, check those those uh, links out and read about it. You'll uh, you, you'll be uh, interested, I think, in uh, quite a bit of that. Yeah, I got to get up on my roof. The forty meter leg on my uh, MFJ spider web is uh, cobweb is gotten torn by the pine tree dropping logs. So how do you like the cobweb? Does it work good for you? Well, I love it, as yeah, long as yeah. I can keep the wire on it. But the only place I have my house for it is right underneath my neighbor's pine trees. And well, I uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I home-brewed a cobweb here, and we built the matching device. You know, it, it's a 12.5-ohm it's a, uh, uh, to 50-ohm. Uh, it's not a... It's not a... You know, it's... It's it's backwards from what you would think. It's twelve and a half on a let's see, it's twelve and a half on a balanced side and fifty on the unbalanced side. But there was a good article on how to build it, Balan, and uh, I built it. It looked really good. Put that thing together and uh, uh, played with it a little bit out there. But I've got so many antennas up. I eventually took that uh, cobweb, put it behind my storage building out there, and. Um, I met a ham out here in the neighborhood that came to some type sale, uh, you know, it was a estate sale or something, and uh, I asked him if he wanted a cobweb, and he uh, managed to get that thing on top of his car, and he took it out of here. <laughs> yeah, I am flat out of real estate on the roof of my house. I have no room for any more antennas. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask anybody in the chat room. If you're listening out there, wake up. Um, 
how does everybody like the chat room? We've gone back to our IRC chat room. I know it's not as easy as the YouTube, but um, uh, I, I finally figured out you can't please everybody, and the YouTube did have some issues that just were not going to work real well for us. So just wonder how you guys like the IRC uh, chat room that we're using now. And uh, we'd, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Also, any new people in there, anybody join us tonight that uh, uh, is new with us, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. Let us know who yeah, you are. Yeah, I like where it you better are. than YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. That's, well, that's good. So I'm going to yeah. have to dump. Okay. All right. I know it's late there, and I know you've yeah. got a dog there that you have to take care of, too. He's <laughs> probably oh, ready to go. The legs crossed out the back door again, so probably I got to go ready to go. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Alan, thanks, man, for uh, being with us tonight. That's good to see everybody. We'll All see you all next we'll, week. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right. All right. Good night. Take care. All right. Let's see. Let me let me get uh, get something here. Not sure what I was going to show you. All right. Well, Glenn, uh, you got any new projects you're working on now? I mean, you you're actually Having to go into the office some, you have time to work on things? Well, yeah. Um, because of the COVID protocols that the city government is uh, doing right now, uh, I only go in two days a week. And I work from home the other two, uh, three days. And while I'm busy all day working from home, uh, I don't have that drive time, you know, across town. So... I get that extra two hours each day to play. And like I say, I finally actually cleared the lab off. It's been, you know, probably a year and a half since I've been able to actually use anything over there. And uh, I've got the desktops pretty much cleaned and organized. And I'm, I'm finally able to start getting into things. The, the Heathkit tube tester is next up on the table. And, couple of the other things I bought from Huntsville. And uh, then I'm going to be starting on a couple more um, Arduino projects that I've been working, wanting to work on for several years. All right. Well, great. I see, uh, I see, my, I see my son's in the chat room tonight. He's watching the show. He's starting to watch the show more often. Uh, hey, Tom, can you yeah. allow me to share the screen for a I, minute? I can. Go right ahead. Let's see if I can get to this. There we go. Sure. All right. Make that full screen. Can you see that? No. Yeah, now I can. What am I looking at? Don't let that happen to your balloon oh. on a cobweb at the ham fest. Oh, I see. I, 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 yeah. I was wondering, was that a UFO or what was that out there? Yeah. Well, if you guys remember two, three years ago, when we had uh, astronaut Doug Wheelock with us and he launched, you know, in Bill's uh, balloon race out there, we launched, uh, we launched a balloon and uh, uh, he crashed it, I think, twice. Uh, once it wrapped around a power line, just like that, but it came loose and it, it cleared itself. 
Uh, that surprised me, actually. I thought we were done. Well, this this uh, was the year before that. Yeah. And I let it go. I went right over the building, and we ran around to make sure it was going to clear the trees, and it went, bam, right into the W8BI Dayton Ham oh, hex beam, just like a spider web. Yeah. And uh, you can see the balloon plastered there in that little sky tracker. So don't let that happen to yours. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, we're going to have to watch this. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid the wind is going to be blowing. It could be raining. I, I don't know. But we're, we're, hoping to, uh, we're hoping to launch, Bill, and we're going to take a little tank of helium with us. We're not going to go hydrogen. We, we normally yeah. have always flown hydrogen, uh, but uh, we're going to uh, we're we're use helium. So, Bill, with this balloon here, this, uh, this Mylar balloon in helium, what are we looking at here? Maybe 24,000 or think it'd go any higher? Well, it depends on the kind of helium. If you're using uh, helium from a welding shop. No, uh, this is the cheapy. This the is the cheapy. Regulator. This is the cheapy stuff. Oh, uh, then you'll be about 22,000 feet. You'll mm -hmm. be about three or 4,000 feet low. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it won't. Uh, survive the weather too long at that altitude but it's easy to transport yeah. that's only 80 percent helium out of those uh, walmart well cans. i could i could take a small tank of hydrogen with me and we I, we could probably hit what maybe 28 I'd buy a small tank uh, by the way this balloon uh, finally fell off their hex beam after yeah. they rotated it and lowered the tower a little bit and shook it around yeah and uh it ended up in Turkey ten days later, and it was it, it was pretty well abused. But I'll show you what I use. Yeah. Um, right here. That is a twenty cubic foot. I'm mean, sorry, that's a forty cubic foot tank of helium. I'm not seeing it. Uh, a welding supply shop can get that, and they actually have a twenty cubic foot version that you can get. That might be even cheaper. That cost me just slightly more than that Walmart can that uh, cost $29. This cost me 38 And uh, the, if you get a balloon filler regulator with it, and then that adapter, that little plastic black adapter I sent you, yeah. fits over the rubber end of one of those balloon filler nozzles. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to 3D print them, but somebody on eBay had already figured out to do that. Oh, okay. Well, so three, that rubber hose I sent you, there's a little black adapter. Yeah, that I saw that. I was out. wondering. I, I was wondering uh, what that was for exactly. That now. fits over the end of one of those rubber balloon fillers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All and, right. And uh, so there you go. And use that white plastic tube because it won't get stuck in the uh, mylar balloons. Yeah. Yep. We'll do that. But this is what it should look like. You know, yeah. when you let it go. Not wrapped around a tower or anything. Not wrapped around a tower or a tree. <laughs> All right, let me see. Um, let me see something here. Let me look. I got one more thing right. I need to pull up I'll, here. I'll stop here in here. Um, all 
I've got to. I had. Are you going to open up the Zoom to everyone tonight? We might, yeah, we'll try that in just a moment. Uh, let me see. I got one more thing here. Maybe, maybe. Well. Uh, Bill WZ1L, I do not have the file where I can get to it easily. I think you texted it to me. I don't have a way to get the text off and on the show so if you could send it to me uh, send me your picture uh, at my gmail account i can probably put that on a show real quick bill so send it to me at my gmail account tom at w5kub uh, dot com all right so uh bill can you post a link uh uh, do you have the link there you can post easily? I, I might be able to. Let's see. We made a lost bill. Let's see. I was... Uh, so, uh, Glenn, do let you... Me, uh, let can, me copy the link over here. If you here can copy it into the uh, chat room, that would be great. The chat room uh, doesn't work as well for me because... How do you pop out the chat room? Well, you. I, it's easy. It's easier for me to pop it out. Uh, like I don't. I, ha I don't have it one. set for popping out. Although you can, I can give you a URL and you can open it full tab and in a new tab and you can you can grab that tab and and move it and resize it. Well, that'd be good. Yeah, just yeah, type in uh, type if you want to type in web dot uh well, how do you say it libera web Libera.chat. Web yeah, yeah. web.libera.chat forward slash pound w5 kub uh if you'll do that it'll open when does it after chat uh, uh after uh, dot chat and then slash pound w5 kub oh, okay i'll try that and uh, that'll be handy you might want to post that yeah i need the, I, I need to get that out there um so did it open up for you i'm doing that right now slow internet tonight yeah let's see oh uh, yeah okay that's 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 very useful all right and then you can, if you grab that tab i think you could pull it away from your uh, browser and it'll uh, make it a separate it'll make it a separate window Okay. Yeah, that's what I did. And then, then you can actually grab it and resize it and move it around. But if you type on the other thing, though, it, it'll 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 go it'll go in the background. But uh, hopefully that helps you. So, uh, yeah. guys, we're gonna we're gonna post a link uh, for Zoom if you'd like to join us on our Zoom call here. We'd love to have you join us in the show. Uh, and uh, Bill's gonna be posting that um, that link uh, right now. And in the meantime, if you're out there listening, this uh, show is about ham radio, amateur radio. It's called Amateur Radio Roundtable, and we meet every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time uh, at w5kub.com. So if you've got internet out there, uh, join us on Tuesday night. And if you're just listening on a shortwave, we'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to tom at w5kub.com. Bill, I don't see a link yet. 
Did you send a link? Working on it. Okay. Many windows up. <laughs> it's like me. I'm like, good luck on me finding that link. See, that's the problem. I don't have the chat room up at the same time as the Zoom because, and right now I got it covered up. So hold on. That's the clunkiest part because I usually just uh, pop it out and put it next to the Zoom. That's what I so did. Right now, you know, it's, it's you know, um, yeah. You know, I used to could do a pop-out. You can't do a pop-out to a new window anymore. Nobody will let you. The industry uh, of, uh, will not let you do it. And even if you put the code in here, even if you put the HTML code in to open in a new window, it will open it in a new tab. They, they, they're intentionally doing that. But, you know, that might not be bad. I can, I can put the code here to open it in a new tab. And then you can just grab that tab and pull it down, you know. All right, Bill just posted the link, the Zoom link. If you'd like to join us, uh, please click on that link, and we'll bring you right into the show. Let's see if we get any takers. we got about 20 minutes before the show ends tonight. Got Charlie's in there. I thought Charlie left while ago. All right. Hello, Charlie. Charlie, I saw a while ago you said bye, like you were leaving us. I don't understand that. Why did you say bye? Because I left. Well. And I'm back. You're back, huh? Okay. All right. All right. Hello. Hey. Who just joined us? That was, uh, I forget who that was. Let's see who that was. That was uh, KE7KK Bill. He just joined us. All right. Well, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to, to moving uh, to this other web broadcast system. I really... Really looking forward to that. It's going to help me when I travel and go places. I can still do the show, and and it, it's 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 simple, but I think it's going to be good. And what's, you guys what's looking the name at of the it, platform, Tom? Well, it's a web-based platform. It's one Melon has put out. It's it's very similar. It looks almost exactly as Streamyard. Uh, in fact, Streamyard and Melon are actually written by the same developers. And if you do a comparison of the two, uh, there's almost no difference. There's like 1% difference. So um, it's, uh, it's web-based. Everything is on a cloud. It's not running here on the computer. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's a good deal, too. I've just got to be able to interface uh, a couple things into it. It's going to be a little challenging to bring uh, Zoom in. I can I can do the Zoom where I think I can do a share screen uh, on the Zoom application and uh, have Zoom set where when someone talks they go full screen. So uh, I think that's gonna I think it'll work for us. I've got to I've got to figure out though this virtual cable thing and that's not an easy thing uh, for me that's for sure. 
All right. And wouldn't it be easy to use only the the app, the Liberia thing, and do not use Zoom? Well, well, yes, but I'm I'm limited to the number. Uh, for instance, oh. we have maybe four to five co-hosts. Uh, my 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 app will allow me to bring five people in. Oh no, six people. Yeah, I remember. Yes, okay. six people, which is not bad. Uh, it just means that at the the last half of the show, I can't open it up and have ten more people join us. That's the only, and and that's not a real big issue actually. I I, I really want to get the phone line working, where if a hundred people want to call in. You know, on the phone line, it will, uh, you know, audio will go both ways. Uh, into the phone system, into the app, out of the app, into the phone system. And uh, I've, I've got it, I've got it going both ways now with virtual cable. Uh, it's just that I lost my microphone now on my l laptop when I, when I set the virtual cables up. So there's got to be a way to get the mic to work. At the same time, the virtual connections are working, so uh, I'm learning. Okay. So we could have a show uh, without Zoom. It's kind of like a mini Zoom, really. You, I could bring six people in, you know. And the nice thing about this app was, I mean, it works kind of like Zoom. I can have a, a six-person meeting and not be streaming to YouTube. Or if I hit, if I hit go live. Uh, it'll connect to YouTube, and we're on. I can also tell it to go to Facebook and Twitch and Twitter, all those, and it'll go to all those at the same time. So I just did a remote talk to a radio, I mean, to a club in Chattanooga uh -huh. the other night, and I used a whereby for that. And it's kind of like uh, Zoom, only it was pretty easy to use. Yeah. And very what, easy to share screens. What, what was it called? Whereby, W-H-E-R-E-B-Y. Yeah, a lot of people are coming up with these things now, and they're all very similar. The web-based ones are, are very similar. And, you know, you, you got the option you can share a video or you can share a, a, a screen. Uh, you can put, I can put logos on there. I can move them around. I can put uh, banners on there. So, you know, it gives me the very basics I need, plus the, the switching and the look. The look that you see, it just looks outstanding, uh, the way it positions everybody. All right. We've got Tim out there, WB8HRO. And Tim, I get your email every month, and I enjoy reading, reading the news that uh, you send me every month, Tim. All right, who else we got in here? KE7KK, Bill's in there. Anybody else want to join us tonight? Uh, the link is in the chat room. I'm what, are you, what are you drinking there? Uh, what do you got there, Charlie? A, a Cuba Libre without the Coke. Uh, you know, we have a strict thing on this show. This is, uh, yeah, we, we, I don't know if we uh, allow that or not. This is uh, tea. Oh, tea. We'll, we'll, allow tea. tea. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll allow yeah. tea. We'll allow tea. Yeah. 
We yeah, will... South American tea. Yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll allow that. At, at least that comes from Scotland, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least it isn't Inca Cola. I had Inca Cola when I was in Peru. It tastes like bubble gum. You know, soda. that's a, that's an interesting thing. I had, you know, over all the years I managed this, uh, the, the international telecommunications for FedEx. I, I had employees around the world. One of my, one of my, uh, I had a manager uh, I put in uh, in Europe, and I would bring him here occasionally. And uh, you know, in Europe, they're big drinkers. They they like to have their beer and. Um, and, and lunch and you know all the time. Anyway, he was uh, he was here for the weekend, and I think he drove over over into Arkansas. Uh, I think it was, he got in a dry county or something. Maybe it was Sunday, but you couldn't buy any beer. And he bought Bill. He bought something called root beer. <laughs> he bought some root beer and tried it, and he spit it out. And he said it tasted like. Liquid chewing gum. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We don't have any other takers. Nobody else wants to join us. I tell you, it's, it's getting cool enough now that I can get out and do a little antenna work. <laughs> man, mm-hmm. it, has, it has been hot here. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I do want to get my antennas back in shape. I've got a I've got a fan dipole out here. I've got I think the twenty meter, uh, one of the one of the legs is hanging straight down, and it, you know it just needs some work done on it. And I need to get all my antennas uh, going before uh, for winter. Make sure they stay up here. Well, um, that's part of it. Is I plan to get on the air a lot more. And with that forty meter leg down, that's what I use for uh, FT eight. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. My 40 meter FT8's down. Can't have that. Well, you know we need we need to make some contact. See what see what we can what kind of distance we can get. Maybe maybe put a light bulb in your window for an antenna and load that up on FT8. Let's see how far you can talk on FT8. <laughs> I, there's people running light bulbs in the window and they're talking a thousand miles on FT8. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Uh, most people just use 10 watts and they can work the world. So, you know, you, you can do pretty much anything with FT8. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see uh, uh, Tim mentioned, uh, sorry, he says Katie is still his favorite. Okay, well, Katie is everybody's favorite. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> she's not here uh, tonight. But, uh, hey, I, you know, not, not a whole lot I can do. I've already tripled her salary this year. And uh, we we always tell her how much she's appreciated, and and you know uh, if she needs to be out, we don't count time. You know, days away. Who is it? Mark is in here. Let's see. So yeah, you know. But Katie, I think Katie likes the show. Katie uh, enjoys being with us, and she's very popular. She, I think Katie is the queen of ham radio. And I am just so glad that our show has the queen of ham radio. And if you watch the opening of our show, you know this is the best show, ham radio show. And it's also the best on the planet 
And if you don't know what that means, you need to go to our shortwave station, WBCQ. It's called the planet. So we're, we're the best on the planet. So we got a lot going for us, and we got the queen. You know, Katie might want to be uh, referred to as the princess of ham radio. Well, what's more important, a princess or a queen? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> she might. She might. You know, the empress. You know, empress I try. Empress, there you go. Yeah, that. that the would empress. Be yeah, the empress might. Yeah, the empress might do it. Let's see. I mean, we, we really appreciate her. Let's see. I've got, yeah, I'm right here. I mean, you know, we're thinking about putting her own show on, you know. I mean, maybe after hours, it's called, it's going to be called the Katie Allen Show, you know. <laughs> but it's just that time of year, you know, they're super busy right now. Well, she uh, she's really tired tonight. They've been fighting COVID out there where she is. Her job uh, interfaces on how to COVID there with the state, and uh, I think she's had a tough day today. So, yeah, we'll give her we'll give her bad. an excuse uh, excuse absence today. Let's see. Like I say, in, in Memphis, they uh, they're talking about cutting us down to one day a week in the office. About half of the staff is one day a week now, but because I'm new, they're making me do two days a week. Yeah. You know, they they need me to get the reports done that I'm working on, and if I work on them from home, they don't get done as fast. Oh. Well. Something well. about having to move a cat off the keyboard every few seconds. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell them that. <laughs> I wouldn't tell them that. All right. Well, well, you know, Bill. They actually did a study at, uh, at my work that uh, showed that telecommuting, we were actually more efficient. Because yeah. when you're on site on a job, you're visiting people in their cubicles, going to the break room, or exactly going down to the cafeteria, and talking well, about things you know, not about work and well, uh, plus you've got an extra hour or two of free time from uh, not commuting so uh i, I love working at home well yeah, hey hey work at home work at home now look hey you get on email for about an hour you answer if you think you go outside you cut the yard you know you rake it up you edge and you come back in about yeah, three o'clock i gotta i gotta be working Come back in at three o'clock, do your email again, and you put a whole day in, man. Yeah, yeah. it'd be nice yeah. if I could do that, but it don't work that way. But yes. I went in yeah. today, and I lost a whole hour because the boss wanted to come and talk to me. Oh man! About a meeting he wanted to have next week, so basically held next week's meeting today so that he knew what I was going to talk about next week. Well, I let my for years for all day meeting today for all day for years for the last five years i worked i let my people work at home at least two days a week and i didn't have any problem with that uh let's see i didn't have any problem at all uh i worked at home maybe three days a week and uh but but i managed a worldwide international telecom group and you know at six o'clock my time at night I had all my staff in Hong Kong and Japan uh, coming to work. Uh, so my work basically was 24 hours a day. So I didn't really, 
I, I didn't care if I took an hour off during the day to run an errand or something because I basically work day and night, you know. Yeah, and that's the way I work. It is if I do anything during the day, I just make it up by working in the evening. Yes, it's by tasks and not by yeah, by exactly. Yeah. But but they here in Uruguay they just uh, approve a a new legislation uh, for um, telecommuting, or uh, so that you know how to deal with the for for both sides the employer and the employee uh, for for the eight hour. Uh, uh, mm. Uh, day, uh, day uh, work day, uh, how that can be um, uh, regulated via on on yeah. on, um, yeah. on on uh, telecommuting, right? So, so I think that's important because what uh, the the uh, the the COVID brought here, well, everywhere in the world, is that. They found that telecommuting, it's uh, sometimes it's it's better. Yeah. But but you have to have that sort of uh, legislation that protects both sides of the equation. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it well, also it includes uh, the provisioning of uh, that you have to get into an arrangement with your employer uh, about uh, providing the resources required, like the connection to the internet and the the computer if necessary. So, so, so it's not like saying to to your to your uh, em employee just go connect and and be be uh, connected by eight o'clock. It's just uh, giving him the resources required. So that all, all of that is included in the legislation. So I think that's a good step forward. Uh, now I talked to several businesses, both small and large. Uh, the utility costs have gone way down for the building maintenance because oh, yeah. everybody's telecommuting. That's a yeah. huge, huge saving. And this one small company was supplying all kinds of free snacks and free coffee and and, and stuff to their employees. They had about, I guess, 80 employees. And they found that they're saving a pile of money from not having those free snacks out for as part of their employee perks. Well, we used to have a popcorn machine, man. I used to make a lot of popcorn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. The coffee machine is a it's a delicate uh, balance there because you know they they pay for the coffee, but they know that they're giving you some extra energy keep, for maybe, your work. Maybe they're doing it to keep you awake. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've shut all that down. I mean, we've got a lunch area. You know, that's pretty much about it. Uh, I, I want to know what what Charlie means. The, the employer is responsible for providing internet for their employees. No, the employees are responsible for getting their own internet or m attending the Zoom meetings and whatever. Uh, I mean, Bill, you, you can't force a, you cannot force an employee uh, an employer to provide you with internet. Well, I'm gonna tell you, Bill. I'm what, what the law, what, what I understand that the law that the law says is that you have to uh, get into an arrangement before going into the telecommuting yeah. uh, structure. You have to go into an arrangement with your employer between employer and employee 
so that uh, in a personal arrangement between them, uh, the, the, they decide how to uh, how these resources are provided. So it's yeah, an arrangement. I know it. For, it, it, FedEx, for hey, hey, FedEx, by, by the way, we, this is my office right here. Yeah, that that is my office, yeah. and uh, they of course they have a card that you stick in there to activate it to make so it secure, so no one else. Like can everybody's got those stuff. elite books because that's well, what we I paid. We oh, I love it our, actually. Our company, our company but paid. The thing of it is, we're on our own for the internet, uh, so uh, well, you know. We, they they don't supply the internet, but uh, they gave us a laptop to take home. So, yeah. But our our company, our company, FedEx, FedEx, we gave everybody internet, and the company paid for it. Yeah. Now you also have to remember, Bill, as far as you know, companies not buying internet. He's in Uruguay. They run a little bit different laws down there. They could force them to provide internet if that's yeah. part of the deal. Yep. Yeah, but it's not. It's an arrangement between both parties. So I think it's 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 good enough, and it's better than nothing. Because in nothing you say, okay, I, I will uh, tele telecommute, and then uh, you know, on both sides you have like the employer uh, always uh, pretending for you to be online, and on the other side the employee trying to get away from the computer at the wrong well, moment. You know, uh, Charlie. If you can guarantee that uh, Uruguay can supply me with gigabit internet, I'm going to move there because I can work <laughs> in Uruguay. Yeah, gigabit. I can work in the North Pole. Gigabit. You can hey, gigabit. Hey, hey. I'm you, all for it because I'm out. In the hey, listen, here. Bill. I'm you can't even get dollars. I have a, a, a fiber optics in my house, and all houses in not in Uruguay, but in 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 uh, populated areas in Uruguay, all houses have a fiber optic. For yes. years, oh, I'm I'm there. I'm there. I'm yeah. Yeah. I've got a whopping 25 megabits. Okay, I mean, I I only have I, have I only have one point two, one point two download speed megabits. I, I only have 450 down and 23 up. Yeah, let me check I, I what, what I have K. at the time. Let me see. But I'm paying the like the cheapest a flat rate. You have cheaper, but they are not flat. Let me see this. Uh, I, I I tell you something. If a person can get ninety megs down and ninety up, he don't need anything any faster than that. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Exactly. You don't need anything. Um, I, hey, Tom. Actually, Tom, I've got ninety k up and not a ninety k. Yeah, down. I know. I know. Yeah. Not meg. Yeah. Actually, my twenty five down and five up. Covers me for ninety percent. Yep. Yep. Well, and, and and over North Carolina, when we do the show in two weeks, guys, I'm going to be on DSL in the mountains. We're going to have about seven seven megs down and seven sixty eight well, up. You know. I'm planning to get on Starlink <coughs> soon, and I hear that's pretty good uh, speed and low latency. So they're a little. I have, uh, yeah. I have sixty down and ten up. Here, yeah, right now, that's but, okay. Uh, it's the cheapest flat rate we can have here, in and and guess what? And it works fine, doesn't it? And uh, cheapest, I'm talking about like uh, um, it's about. I'll tell you right now. You know, you you know, sixty is good. Hey, you don't need anything more. I remember when we had fifty-six kilobit. 
Oh God! Less, yeah, less, less, that. And, and less than thirty and, dollars. And to have sixty, to have sixty—that's like being in heaven right now, man. I yeah, remember when yeah. we went from three hundred baht to yeah. twelve hundred oh, baht. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember that too. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right, guys, it's 10 o'clock. I need to tell everybody oh. out there listening on shortwave, thank you for listening tonight. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. We're on WBCQ 7490. Let us hear from you. Send an email to tom at w5kub.com. We'll see you next week. Hey, Tom, you, you, did you get that picture? Um, Let me look. Where did you send it to? Tom at W5KUB.com, which you said to. Yeah, I don't see it. It's not. Uh, let me look this again. Hang on. Let me folks. let me refresh. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Okay. okay. I'm just curious if, if you yeah. got it. That's all. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I've got it. Let me put it up on the thing here. And we'll uh, just show it on the show here. Uh, there we go. All right. Oh, yeah, that's the. Tech in a day class. Yeah. 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 We had 12 students and eight out of 12 passed their technician class license. Excellent. Well, that's good. Very good. Yeah. I thought it was better than uh, uh, what I expected because half the class left at one o'clock and said that they'd be back at four. They wanted to go out into the lobby and chat while they were studying. Uh huh. Mm, trying to reach it. Yeah. They're going to work from home. Yeah, really? Actually, you know, with my job, they don't care what hours I work. They're just like, just give us eight hours a day. We don't care. Pick the hours. No. And I normally pick the hours when the demons are asleep. I'm normally on Zoom at least 18 hours a week. For remote testing uh, on, on, on Zoom, so I mean, you know, um, <laughs> uh, we're having we're having fun, and uh, there's a lot of people passing their examinations and upgrading. All right, so we've excellent. got uh, that's excellent. Yeah, we've got Tim, uh, Tim WB eight HRO, a good friend here. Uh, Tim is in a nursing home up north, and uh, uh, he. Uh, um, it's really having a good time being being in ham radio. Tim uh, uh, has the blessing of all the staff there at the nursing home, and even the maintenance people put his HF antennas up for him. Wow. And um, uh, he Excellent. operates he operates from a nursing home there. Uh, he said uh, they're in a nursing home. They give him ten gigs up and sixty down. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Wow. All right, guys, we need to end the show. It's uh, It's been a couple hours now. I'm going to go ahead and, and terminate the show here. Yeah, so, it's popcorn time. It is popcorn time. Uh, so good uh, good night to everybody out there on uh, watching the show. Uh, if oh, you the cat. Any, there's if, a cat. Yeah, what was that? There's a cat. Yeah, there's Mark's oh, the cat. cat. Matt, Mark. I, I have bailed on me. Uh, thanks for watching. Get, uh, hit that subscribe button. If you hadn't hit the subscribe button, please do. And uh, we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Good night, y'all. And you know what? No. Hey, let's just put Glenn on here to close the show here. Here's Glenn.
<laughs> so you're saying I can ask this cat any question? I'm gonna do the that. cat is connected to the computer. You just type yeah. into question. I'm gonna do that with Ruddy, and I'm meant right. to do it tonight. I need to make sure I got enough of my blood type on hand first. The cat is close to the show. You're the man! I've been looking for this for a week. That's got that looks just like me. Alright. Alright. Alright.